Welcome to Short Stories, a podcast on mommyhood matters by the Shortest Tallman. I am your host, Maggie Tallman, the Shortest Tallman herself. Grab a cup of coffee or tea and hang out with me while we discuss everything mommyhood. I'll share with you a bit about my own life and stories and bring on some amazing guests who are real moms like you and me doing really amazing things. So let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Today is the very first episode of the Shortest Hallman Podcast. Short Stories, a podcast of Mommyhood Matters. I'm so excited to be here with you. Um, I've thought about this for a little while, and then, you know, the dangerous question kind of came up, which was, why not? Why not do a podcast? Um, I started listening to podcasts pretty heavily about six months ago, and I just can't get enough of them. And there's some great content um, in podcast world um, from bloggers and podcasters. And I just thought, you know, I want to extend this conversation that I'm having on my blog, you know, into this uh, new medium in uh, in the podcast world. So. You know, my blog, um, if you're not too familiar, is theshortesttalman.com. Um, it fits pretty squarely in uh, the mom blog niche. Um, and as far as my podcast goes, I really kind of wanted to delve into, you know, hashtag mom life uh, conversations. So finding balance, um, the never-ending search for sanity, Um Wellness, self-care, seeking joy. Uh, 2018 is really, um, I've kind of proclaimed it as my intention to seek joy for 2018. Uh, So far, so good. Uh, Yeah, so I I just, I wanted to kind of extend this conversation into this forum. Um, And with that, I have 12 episodes for you in season one. Um, I have interviewed 12, or I am interviewing 12 amazing moms that are doing amazing things, like I said in in the intro. Um, They all are going to be talking to us about, you know, their their balance of uh, work life and home life, um, various, you know, mom things, some of the nitty gritty stuff, you know, of being in the trenches of, of momming. Um, and, you know, and, and like I mentioned before, there, the, all of these women have an area of specialty. Um, so it's kind of cool because I think that, you know, I specifically asked these 12 individuals, um, to come onto the show because their area of specialty was something that I thought as moms, we could really, um, you know, get something from. So I think, uh, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, I'll be honest with you, the episodes are a little bit on the long side. I tried to keep it shorter, and then I realized, you know, we just, I I didn't want to cap these conversations. Um, I had these questions that I really wanted to ask um, these amazing women, and, you know, nobody puts baby in a corner, okay? You know what I'm saying? So, here it is. Um... And, you know, there's one other thing before we get to the first episode. There's one other thing I feel like I have to honor. Um, And I I just I want to mention it. And it's something that I've been aware of in this whole process, not only with my blog, but specifically with uh, with this podcast is, 
you know, I am just so appreciative um, and aware of this privilege of, or I guess it should be a right, but it kind of feels like a privilege of having a voice. You know, nobody can stop me from doing what I'm doing. Um, Historically, you know, my female ancestors didn't have this kind of a voice. Um, And, you know, apart from people criticizing my podcast or, you know, whatever, okay, beating up with me with words, no one can stop me from doing this. And I just think that that's really cool and really important to know. Um, You know, I mean, there's... I'm lucky that I live here in America and I can do that kind of thing um, in 2018. And, you know, I think that's really special. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. You know, I think that that's something that I just, I felt compelled to mention in this, in this inaugural episode, because I think it's something that, you know, we can't take for granted and we shouldn't take lightly, you know, when there's women across the world that don't have a voice. I mean, forget for a podcast. They don't have, you know, a more a voice for more, you know, basic things um, that, you know, we as American women tend to take for granted. So just wanted to honor that. And, uh, you know, I'm just thrilled to be here. Now, with that being said, I'm not sure um, with this particular voice that you're listening to, if there's going to be a whole lot of like, profound and poignant points coming out, (laughs) but I will do my very best. So um, I'm so excited. I'm thrilled. Our first uh, episode is going to feature an interview that I had with Miss Carrie Sands. And Carrie is a life coach. Um, She has a lot of experience um, as a couples therapist and family therapist. And now she's kind of changed her gears a little bit more towards life coaching and she has a Facebook page um, that I follow. Um, she's really, I feel like she, she really nails the conversation about self-love and self-care for moms, um, you know, where we typically, you know, put ourselves second. She's very good about reminding us about how important it is to, you know, make sure that we are you know, in touch with ourselves and and showing ourselves some love like we give it to everybody else. So without further ado, here's my little chit chat with Carrie. Okay, so today I am so happy to be interviewing Miss Carrie Sands, who is a life coach and a therapist. Um, so how are you doing today? I am doing great, Maggie. Thanks for having me here. I am super pumped up to be here with you today. Awesome. 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 Me too. Um, and you know what? I'm not even worried about editing this out. I'm just going to say <laughs> you're my first interview. I don't know Yay. if this, if we're going to be the first aired, but this is the first one. So I'm super, super, super pumped about this. That's great. <laughs> good energy to start today. <laughs> yes, I think so. The sun is shining. Oh, I'm not sure if it's 30 degrees at my house yet. <laughs> not, the not sun not is quite. out. Yeah. Yes. 
Now you're nearby. I'm in New Hartford in upstate New York. Yeah. Can I can I ask you where you are? I am as well. So my oh, okay. my watch is reading. Oh, it just moved from 27 to 29. So we're getting closer, Maggie. <laughs> but it is beautiful out. The sun is shining. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. So I'm looking forward to spring finally coming. Yes. Okay, so I kind of on my end, I called your episode feel good ish because ish is like this word that people are using instead of that sh word. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I first um came across Carrie um through a Facebook group um through a friend of mine um Andrea and uh Carrie was running this Facebook group for simplicity for moms during the holidays. Right. Um so that was kind of how I first came across Carrie and um just judging from you know, following along on the Facebook group, um, and all the the really nice things that you post, I thought, oh my gosh, this would be a perfect person to interview to, um, you know, kind of encourage moms to have more simplicity, um, Mm -hmm. all kinds of feel good things for moms. Um, and I, I especially love your focus on, um, loving yourself first and just self love. Um, I think that's so important. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, you are a life coach. Tell me more about life coaching because I know it's it's along the same lines of a therapist um, who can benefit from a life coach. Is it like um, having a therapist? Um, tell me about it. Sure. Yeah. Yes, I am a life coach and I'm also a trained and licensed marriage and family therapist. So anyone can really benefit from life coaching. And, you know, really anyone that wants to make a change in their life is looking for more clarity and desires accountability. Since I am a therapist, I do bring those years of experience to my coaching session. And I've trained both ways and I've come across similarities but there's also differences. You know, first, both really create a space for a client to feel supported and to reveal themselves without nice. that judgment. You know, people like that safe place to go to. And it can be really therapeutic, you know, whether it's coaching or therapy, to just have someone to listen to you and provide those reflections. However, you know, the differences um, besides the training a therapist is more likely to focus on the past, like sessions may be more, they might be more introspective and analyzing the problem that is impacting the client. Whereas a coach focuses on clarifying goals and identifying any obstacles and problematic behaviors. And they create an action plan to move clients towards what it is they desire. So I see it as more action oriented than therapy would be. And what I really appreciate about the addition of coaching to my toolbox are the strategies around motivation that really help propel my clients forward. Nice. Yeah, I feel like there is such a stigma, you know, like nobody wants to say that they're going to therapy or they're going to a coach. I, you know, obviously I, I feel like most people kind of get what therapy is, um, but maybe still have some confusion over what, you know, what having a life coach is like. And like, you know, it's just, it's, it's such a shame that people are so afraid to reach out and get help. I mean, because it's different than having, you know, having your friends to talk to, um, you know, is obviously indispensable, but being able to have a third party (laughs) who specializes in this is pretty great. 
and not yes. biased. You know, I think that the, Maggie, the stigma, like I started doing therapy back in 2000. So, you know, I, I seen how that stigma has lessened, you know, more and more people became open, especially with, I think, um, the ability to search online sure. and get information there. Like it, became more like, oh, like almost like the thing to do. Like I see a therapist and I also see coaching becoming more known and people taking advantage of it and see, you know, so not everybody's always aware of the difference between the two. And so hopefully that helped to to clarify. Sure. Yeah. The internet has been good for lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, Talking about you personally, because, you know, all of the, the wonderful women that I'm interviewing are not only women and have their own individual pursuits and passions, um, they're also moms. So before, mm-hmm. um, and actually, be, you know, before you had kids, it's, you know, I was reading through your biography mm-hmm. on your website and you were super duper busy in your career before you had kids. You know, what was that like? Yeah, you know, I was busy and I was really excited about being, you know, in the field and I had a lot of great mentors and people. I love to connect with people. So I had a lot of great connections and done some interesting things. But I got to tell you, parenting is no (laughs) joke. (laughs) Poor kids. But I didn't have, you know, these little dependent people on me 24-7 you know, relying on me 24 seven, I, you know, I, I did run a full practice. Um, and I had built a private practice with several locations in Manhattan, wow. to Long Island. And I would have anywhere from three to five therapists working for me at one time. And, and I was training therapists that were coming out of grad school and helping them to gain licensure in New York. So that really kept me busy. I was able to practice as a therapist, but I also got to try on different hats, you know, being the CEO of my, you know, business and billing this and also being a supervisor and doing training. And I also served on the board for uh, the mental health professions in New York state, as well as we were becoming licensed in the early 2000s. Yeah, that was, I mean, that's quite, uh, you know, a, a career, pre-kids. <laughs> you climb yeah. that ladder. Yeah, you climb that ladder very quickly. Um, so then you had kids and you paused your career. Uh, I mean, did you plan on doing that? Was it scary? What was that like? Well, after my first child was born, I, I started to cut back on my sure. time in the office. At that point in my practice, I had five therapists working for me. They were all excited to get clients and growing, and I felt like I wasn't growing. I just wanted to focus on being mom at the time. So my energy shifted, and so did the path of my practice. And slowly I allowed things to fade out, and I eventually changed my practice to a solo one. When my oldest turned three, I had this itch to want to return. I was like, I'm ready to get back into it. And I was like, this new energy was emerging and I was so excited. And I had been immersing myself in all things parenting and fell in love with simplicity Mm. parenting. These concepts were developed by Kim John Payne. So I actually trained to become a simplicity parenting family life coach. And um, I was, you know, interested in bringing this into my practice as a therapist. But during this training, I found out I was pregnant with twins. I was waiting for that so punchline. <laughs> yeah. 
that, that surge of energy for my practice shifted quickly to my body and caring and carrying these two wow. beings like that were growing inside of me. So just before they were born, I decided to close my office and I had planned to open a new location closer to home several months later. Well, those months passed and the desire to return was sure. just not there. It was I would say it was almost three years later again that that desire came back mm. to work. And this time I decided I wanted to do things differently. So I added life coaching. I got certified from a different, a few different coaching programs. And I've been focusing on, you know, my work supporting clients through a virtual coaching practice. I since. see. Yeah, that's that seems to really be um a great way to, you know, to reach new people. And, you know, people are, everybody's so busy nowadays. Um, it's, it's a great way to be able to, you know, on the, on the patient end or the consumer end to be able to still, you know, receive the, those supports. So that's, that's mm-hmm. helpful. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that it allows you to do things virtually, although you can do that in therapy. I really like, um, doing that more so. With sure. I'd say, um, that's more future focus. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Um, so, you know, you said how you have a totally new perspective now, um, you know, now that you have kids and it totally shifted sort of, you know, your career focus um, and even just sort of having one, you know, having, being focused on your career and then just, you know, halting it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what kind of, what changed for you? I mean, I know you said that you, changed, um, what you wanted, you know, you're more into the coaching side as opposed to the the therapy side, but, you know, interested in the simplicity, um, parenting and, um, you know, how did that change for you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, becoming a parent was quite humbling for me. Like I always had been interested in parenting methods and trained in different modalities. I provided group therapy programs and I was counseling parents well before I even desired to start my own family. And I, I thought that I really believed that my training had sure. me well. And then I had children and my, my, and my empathy for parents. Oh, that's okay. That's my watch. Um, you know, I, my empathy for parents really increased. You know, I, I, I really believe that having children forces us to grow up and to mature <laughs> And we experience situations with our children that trigger our deepest wounds. And yeah, and they inform us of the work we really need to do to heal and be, you know, the most authentic version of ourselves entirely. So today I can really appreciate these changes, these all these challenges that come up and see them as actually opportunities to grow and better serve my children and others. So I I like to look at my children as little gurus, you know, they help me to, to grow into a better person. So this really, you know, changed my desire to want to work with, um, you know, people in a different way. And, and I've learned a lot about myself through my children and how important it is to take care of myself first, to be the best person, or just like I said, to be the best version version of myself. Yes. I, I feel that way. Absolutely. And especially the more I've gotten, I've, I've gone on in my parenting journey. My kids are eight, six, and three, and they're all about to have a birthday. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I feel like the older my kids, it's funny because when they're babies, you just can't see past that. And you think like, gosh, this is so hard right. and you're not sleeping that much. And, mm-hmm. and it's so hard, but 
really, that's just, it, it's funny how you think there's no way it can get harder. <laughs> I guess it's like anything <laughs> encouraging. You think like, I can't love this child more. And then you wake up the next day and you do. <laughs> I always tell myself and other moms, um, whether it's my sisters or friends or just, you know, people that are um, in my network that things always change. Right. It, it will pass. You know, it's, you know, once you finally feel like you oh, get a hold of something around being a mom, you're like, oh, yeah. well, now something you're also, that's Yeah, good, you're always chasing that carrot. <laughs> yeah. You know what? But, we're, but I like to look at it as always an opportunity. Like, what can, why is this happening for me right now? What can mm. I gain from this? Like, what am I supposed to learn? here you know I've always looked at I always tell my children that they were they've come from Mm. the cosmos like they come from the stars and they love to hear that and you know I tell them that they chose me and they come to me for a certain reason so I look at it as lessons you know like they're really here to teach me lessons and help me grow and and I'm helping wow that is a great perspective yeah I love that and we are you know I've been recently watching um the Cosmos series um, that was redone with um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things he talks about in that first episode. I forget who said that quote. Um, it might've been, um, oh, I can't think of the scientist's name that, that did the, the series originally 30 years ago or whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, I could picture him everything, but I can't think of his name. Well, anyway, I think it was him <laughs> that said originally that we are made of star stuff. And it's really fascinating uh, when you think beautiful. about that. Okay, so what do you mm-hmm. think, um, you know, between your professional um, experiences and, you know, just being a mom and experiencing this, what do you think that moms struggle with the most? Yeah. And Maggie, I'd have to say <laughs> guilt. <laughs> I be- you know, I believe there's so many expectations for moms today and mm-hmm. parents in general. And we carry around a whole lot of guilt when we think we're not living up to those expectations or our children are not. And overwhelm is another one. You know, we are bombarded daily with so much information, stuff, expectations that, you know, I think moms are feeling defeated, that that feeling that we have to do this, that, and more, and exhausting and beating the joy out of this whole mom thing. Wow, definitely. Mm -hmm. And, if you know, if you're a perfectionist, you know, meaning you want to do it all and do it well, you know, forget about it. That overwhelm is probably a norm mm-hmm. for you. And we we want to we want to be everything, you know, to everyone. Sometimes, yes, but absolutely. Super, yes, super women. yeah, the super mom <laughs> concept. Yeah, that we don't even yes. we don't consciously yeah. think about, but many of us fall right into that trap of trying to be super mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you mm-hmm. think? You know, how can we combat that? Yeah. Well, from, I believe first finding a tribe of women, having a group of women that you can share the deepest parts of yourself, where you can show up in all your Mm -hmm. messiness, where you can celebrate and cry together, this kind of support where these women hold a safe, loving and supportive container for you to show up as yourself and help you to get honest with, you know, what's real for you. I think that, um, this is being able to, you know, when we're, when we can come into a space where we could take off our right. masks, you know, cause we all wear, we all wear mm-hmm. masks, you know, those masks of perfection and we all wear different ones, but 
letting go of the expectations so you can live authentically, like be yourself. And that's really being a model for, you know, others and your children. So finding that tribe. Second, I would say is simplify your life. You know, this begins with really clearing out anything that does not serve you. Oh, I love it. You know, it's spring. Yeah, it's springtime. It's perfect time, you know, to start weeding out all the yuckiness Mm -hmm. in your life. You know, this can mean cleaning out your home, your closet, maybe even your workspace, you know, if you, um, your desk or whatever it is, or that drop zone in your house, but it can also look like bad relationships or maybe, mm -hmm, or fewer commitments or more space in your calendar. It can be implementing a rhythm to your day or week, or just adding rituals to help you build in new habits. Like this kind of like spring cleaning, you know, the purpose of this you know, decluttering and simplifying can get you more connected to what, you know, what's in your heart, what's like true for you. I love that. And to really hear what you desire deep inside of you and connecting to yourself more. Um, And you know, Maggie, this, this kind of connection to yourself, I mean, it's good for you, but it also helps to facilitate healthier relationships with others and with your children. You know, and I think that's I think that's so true. I mean, when I think about people that I'm attracted to, like, you know, women I might meet um, that, mm-hmm. you know, they just seem like they have it all together or they seem, um, you know, they just have attractive personalities. And, you know, I kind of got thinking about that. I think what really causes that attraction to me is that they are, they're really in tune with their authentic self. Um, you know, they're Mm. really, um, it's not, it's not that like, Oh, they're doing everything super well. It's that they're, they're doing what they do well and they're not overdoing it. And they're really, you know, comfortable and confident in themselves. Um, Mm. Mm, and that, yeah. you know, that I've kind of found, wow, you know, like those are the people that I, I try to surround myself with and absorb what I can from, you know, I think they're good models. And yeah. it's so true. Like if we can, if That's, we can have that for ourselves, we're showing that to our children, you know, b- both our sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. So it's powerful and attractive. I mean, yes, you find yourself attracted to that, but our, I believe our children would be attracted sure. to that too. Like. Um, you know, look at that as, you know, a model for them, inspire them. Like that's sort of my message always to simplify, mm-hmm. to connect with yourself, with others and to mm-hmm. inspire and to be that person. You know, and one of the other things I wanted to add to just like in terms of combating that is, you know, those, the, the guilt and the overwhelm is self-care and compassion. Mm. You know, we really do need to take care of ourselves. You know, and for me, I always thought this meant getting my nails done, getting massage, exercising. And, and don't get me wrong. I still love those things. Like, I, I like right. getting nails. I could get a massage every day if I could. I you think know, everybody and, thinks and that. Everybody thinks self-care <laughs> is, you know, is spa, is um, salon. You know, it's it's things like that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, but you know what? I've learned that it's much more than that. And I, and one of the things that I have found really helpful is tracking my feminine cycle, Mm. my period. It's such a powerful tool 
to knowing like what is real and right for me. And I honor my cycle and take care of my needs accordingly. So I follow, I track it. And doing this has helped me to really take care of myself through this respect of where my body is at and clarifying what I need to nurture myself. And, you know, so I found that to be a really helpful tool. Like that's really simplifying, like getting back to our origin. And it's so, it's so funny, Mm -hmm. these things that we do that you think, you know, 500 years ago, you know, there wasn't the grind that there is. I mean, there was, you know, you were more concerned about maybe where your next meal was coming from, you know, (laughs) you know, what, what, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. we have so many things at us, um, you know, at our fingertips. But um, yeah, it's funny. I think in so, so much of um, self-care really has to do with just going back to the basics. You know, what, what, you know, what, what would I, what would, what would my ancestors do or what, you know, um, and not that they were mm-hmm. necessarily thinking so, so explicitly about, okay, right. I'm going to follow my cycle, you know, not like that explicitly, but, um, you know, things, but they probably, they probably were following were. cycles, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, following that moon cycle and just do, and doing these things to, you know, bleeding together, all that stuff. So they were really deeply connected to their bodies because mm. we're very powerful beings, yeah. you know? So, you know, so for me, that's one way to simplify and connect with myself, but, you know, also being, having that self-compassion. So um, I look at it as look, you know, whether, you know, it's important to, that we learn to mother our inner child. Yes. So whether or not your mother was there for you and we all have mother, we all have mother daughter wounds and having compassion for your inner child and mothering her in just the way you needed your mother mm. to do it, but could it for no other reason that she was perfectly sure. And, you know, this is a practice of self-compassion. So doing that, you know, being able to show up messy, which is why having a tribe of women that you can show up in that way is really important, you know, to acknowledge it. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm simply, you know, perfectly imperfect. Oh, you know? I love that. Right, that's okay. And having compassion for yourself. I think that takes away from some of the guilt, yep. especially around mothering, yes. you know, when you can have compassion that, Hey, I'm doing the best I can. Right, right. And the shoulds, you know, there's so many shoulds. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, we should on ourselves yes, a lot. Yes, I love the spring, you know, just the concept of spring cleaning your life. Um, gosh, you know, I, I, I was a music teacher. Um, I taught full time for 10 years and I loved it. And, um, and then I took a break so I could be home with my kids, even though they're kind of getting a little bit older. Um, but it was, it was finally the right time to do it. So I jumped in and did it. And I always, um, I'm a vocalist and I always sing at church. I was, you know, so I would sing at three masses a weekend. Um, and it wouldn't be every weekend, but it would be, you know, a lot. And, and, um, I did that for probably 10 years And, you know, and then I finally just, I kind of just cut it out. I just said, you know what, I I can't, I, you know, I, I, it was like, I should, you know, this is an area where I can serve and I should, and, um, you know, people tell me I'm good at it and, you know, and I should do this and this is how I should serve. And I just said, you know what, but I really want my weekends to be sacred. And I'll tell you, I haven't looked back. And it's not to say it's going to be like that forever. You know, I'm I mean, cripe, I'm only 34. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes that feels really old, but, um, but it's not, I know in the grand scheme of things, you know, I can trust that it's not. 
and I can always go back. I think that's part of it too, is that we have these identities. I mean, I'll tell you, it threw me for a loop. I didn't, I was so excited to stay at home with my kids, um, and be able to have that opportunity. And I really, truly believe it's a gift. You know, if, if that's something that you, that's for you, it's, it really is a gift and uh, to have that time. And when, um, when I was faced with the choice of having to resign or go back, um, and I chose to resign, I was surprised because as, as solid as I felt in that decision, um, it really, the identity thing really threw me for a loop and, you know, it's not, nothing's permanent. You know, I, I think that's, we get stuck in this, but this is, this is who I am and this is what I do and this is what I should do. And, you know, for, for me right now, you know, um, the right balance is for me not to have those things in my life and that, you know, and I can, I can get stimulation other ways and I can always go back to it. You know, I think we don't have to, it's not like this do or die thing. It's just what's working right now, you know, and for this season of life. Beautiful message. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's beautiful message, Maggie, like that, that you, you know, you recognize that, you know, you made that decision, even if it wasn't an easy decision, there's, there's beauty in there. You know, you feel confident Mm -hmm. knowing that even though some of this other icky stuff might come up like the, around the identity stuff. And I think that's what we, well, if we can see things as cyclical, like always changing, you know, we realize that, you know, that stuff might come up. Like I can make a decision around something in these, you know, these limiting beliefs can come up for me and I have to work through them, you know, so that I can, you know, stand in, in the decision that I made. And yes, I can always change that decision. Just like right. you pointed out. Right. You don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, you don't have to be doing, you know, whatever forever. That doesn't mean that you can, you know, just willy nilly right. drop things whenever you want. I mean, <laughs> life doesn't quite work like that either, but But, um, yeah, you can work towards things or just make a shift that's going to, and you'll know it, you know, you'll know it in your heart if it's right. I think, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when we already talked about this a little bit, there is, there is still stigma around seeking help. Um, and I think, you know, I think in our community, um, you know, maybe more so than maybe in the big cities, you know, um, Mm -hmm. um, I think, um, I think it's part of that whole, we should be able to do it all thing. You know, I like, I know a lot of working mm-hmm. moms that, you know, are doing that love what they do and they're, they're fabulous at it, but you know, they're not, they don't feel great. You know, you can, I can tell, right. you know, friends of mine or whatever, you know, how can moms get past that fear, um, and seek help? Yeah. Well, I, I know this all too well. <laughs> I grew up believing I had to do things on my right. own. I, you know, I, it became part of who I am. But about a year ago, something really changed for me. You know, I had been seeking help in some form my entire adult life, whether it was therapy, coaching, reading, you know, retreats, things like that. I've done it. But a year ago, my husband and I had decided to move our family hundreds of miles away from our home. We had been in since, you know, for many years since our babies were right. born, you know, and I wanted the sale of our house to go so well. And I kicked my butt trying to get everything ready for our open sure. house, which looked amazing, but I felt horrible. I was doing that, finishing up another coach certification program, building my practice, being a mom, often alone. Cause my husband was traveling. I was exhausted and I was listening to this call with a health coach and she was she focused on women's hormones and she happened to be talking about adrenal fatigue and the four stages. Mm. 
And I had an aha at that moment. I was just about in total adrenal fatigue. And I had this vision of my life being so exhausted that I wouldn't be able to do anything. And I knew at that point things needed to change. So since then, and with the help of my group of supportive women, I focused on getting help. And I used the feminine archetype of the the sovereign queen. I use I use her to guide me, and I um, I would envision myself as the sovereign queen, and I would ask myself, would a queen do it all on her own? Oh, I love that. And my <laughs> and my answer my answer is always right. no. She would you know she would ask for help. She would delegate. She would have people around her that supported her, and she would practice self care so that she could adequately nourish and and hold the vision for her kingdom. So I always use that as a way, you know, to not do it all. I'm not meant, we're not meant as women, as moms, we're not meant to do it all. So now I am with that. I can ask for help. I can be, you know, we are meant to receive. So asking for help. So, you know, one, knowing what it is that you need. Mm -hmm. So clarifying that, knowing what it is, asking for it, but then being open to receiving help. When we can be open to that receiving, we, it's really a gift that we're giving the other person to be able to step up and give, you know, so it's really a beautiful thing to be able to do that. And so I encourage moms to, to, you know, to look around at where they can get support and realize that as a queen, you don't have to do it. Oh, I love that. I love that. I love that. When you first start talking about queens, I kind of got a little icky, like, oh, but I don't want to think of myself as a queen. But, you know, you're so right in giving other people the opportunity. You know, I think about, I love, like, I want to be I love, I love giving. I love helping. Um, I love being like a go-to person for my friends and family. And, you know, they want to be able to do that too. And, and mm-hmm. that's so, and, and, you know, it, it goes both ways and it doesn't have to be, I don't always have to be, you know, the person in the giving role. Um, it's not healthy for anybody because it's, it's, you know, eventually mm-hmm. I'm going to become depleted, like, just like what you were describing mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's not going to be of service to anybody, you know, least of all me. And especially if, if I keep thinking of like my kids and, you know, being the best mom I can be for my kids, you know, that's absolutely going to be, mm-hmm. you know, going backwards on that, on that way. Um, absolutely. yeah, you know, I, I know that especially, it sounds like, especially pre-kids, you've done a lot of extensive work as a marriage counselor. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's another big topic in your experience. <laughs> how does parenting affect a marriage? I know it certainly has affected mine yeah. and not, not, you know, not in a bad way. I mean, there's little things, you know, that, that come up, but, um, you know, how, how does parenting affect a marriage? Yeah. Well, it's inevitable that things will change sure. when you're adding, you know, you know, another person into the relationship dynamic. But, you know, when two people marry, they have to learn to renegotiate the rules that mm-hmm. they once lived with, you know, two individuals and independent people. And they have to learn how to work together as partners and to, you know, consider someone else on a regular basis. So transitioning from that I to a we is not always smooth. And then add children, Mm. you you know, and every time you add a child to the relationship, you start to create more distance Mm. between the couple and each child creates more distance. 
And this can lead to, you know, a stressed partnership if they, if you, if a couple hasn't really negotiated that, you know, how to become that we, and then adding children. So, you know, problems can really arise around expectations. You know, you each see things differently. And so, you know, so are your expectations. And when those expectations are not met, we're disappointed, right? Right. Disappointment can quickly turn into anger. And if, you know, needs aren't, you know, are left on right. So anger can certainly kill the love in a relationship. Yes, I've always felt like, um, you know, wh- when you become a parent, you know, bo- nobody feels like they're getting enough and it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, if the wife is, you know, doing more or the husband's doing more or whatever, you know, whatever it would look like on paper, nobody feels like they're getting enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you and when you think in that way, like it, it, um, I have to get as much as the other person right. gets, it, 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 that's what, um, a low level relationship. So you want to up level your relationship by just giving, mm. focusing on giving love, and by giving that love, you'll feel love. Mm. Uh, so that is you know a way to just up level things. You know, focus on meeting each other's needs, right, and being. I see. Now, how can parents keep a healthy marriage throughout the challenges of all of the various stages of parenthood? (laughs) I mean, like we talked about before, it's like, you know, just when you think you've got it all figured out, then they go from crawling to walking or, you know, um, as, as children get older, you know, having more and more friend time or, okay, Oh, now we've got a cell phone. Now what? And, you know, just all these different changes. So yeah. How can, how, Mm -hmm. you know, is there one, is there kind of one fix or different things that you have to do to kind of maintain the healthy marriage throughout all of these different stages? Right. Well, I would say that, you know, the, the first thing I would suggest is to make time and, you know, for and prioritize the relationship. You know, you want to create an obvious boundary around the marital relationship. Mm. Um, you know, coming, having a message of we, you know, this is what we do. Right. You know, this brings the two of you together in partnerships mm. and you know, allies rather than enemies. And children will feel more secure with this, sure. weakness, you know, so that's really important. And, you know, a strategy that I offer clients and I learned – I learned this from uh, one of my mentors, Chloe Madonna. So she's a very well-known marriage and family therapist. Okay. And, and also was part of my coach training program. And she calls these, um, the strategy executive meetings. So plan a day and a time for you and your partner to meet, preferably outside the home in a public place, you know, just so you reduce the chance of, you know, the discussion escalating. Sure. And each meeting bring to the table the issues you would like to discuss. So whether they're parenting or relationship concerns, whatever you want to bring up. And, you know, this will reduce bringing up issues in a reactive way right. when you're, you know, in that moment, you know, when you know, oh, wait, I can bring this up in our meeting. Like you'll, you'll start to see that happen as you regularly commit to these meetings. That's a great idea. Like, oh, you know, instead of, you know, telling my husband, oh, I don't like the way you do this or whatever, or I wasn't, you know, this triggered this, you know, in that moment where he might not be, you know, in that space of ready to listen to you, you right. know, you know, this you have that container that you, the two of you create by having these um, meetings regularly. And also, you know, I would suggest being flexible and willing to see things from different perspectives, you know. 
um, so that you can, you know, be open to their way of doing things. Um, so those would be my suggestions for helping with. Oh, um, that's great. Those are so practical and, you know, um, I would love that executive meeting thing. Um, because mm-hmm. that really works for all stages. So maybe kind of getting a, you know, being leery of the go ask your mother, go ask your father kind of approach. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, this way you have these meetings, you can clarify your values as a couple. Right. So that's something I, you know, I do in, you know, my simplicity parenting training is we, you know, we go we start from values and even in the coaching, you know, knowing what values are so you can make decisions from that place. So you don't have to necessarily go, well, go ask your dad. Right. Like, no, we, we believe, you know, this is yeah, what, this we, is value what we value. And, yeah. I'm doing that. So, Oh, I love that. You know, and a lot of times people will say, this is easier said than done, but you know what, if we really want things to be healthy then we have to focus on what makes the relationship good rather than focusing on what's not working, you know, our focus does matter. Right. And that makes such a difference to approach it in a, you know, a proactive preventative kind of, you know, as opposed to a reactive I'm mad and I'm ready to lay it out. You know, we're having (laughs) things and, oh gosh, I love that. You know, I always wonder about this. (laughs) Since you are a life coach and a therapist, do you have it all figured out in your own personal life? (laughs) You know, you're an expert about helping others understand themselves and keep healthy relationships. But do you suffer from this stuff like the rest of us? Or are you (laughs) just so learned in this topic that you can just rise above (laughs) I love this question. I absolutely do not have it all figured out. You know, again, I have become more comfortable with my imperfections. You know, this was actually one of the things that challenged me as a therapist. You know, I would, knowing my life was not all together, I would question my integrity as a therapist. Right. But, but I have grown from this limiting thinking, you know, now I see it part of the process. Now I see myself as human and I, and that I continue to need to develop. And I believe we all need to grow, you know, in the words of Tony Robbins, uh, if we are not growing, we're dying. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So today I see yeah, if you're either, you're either growing, you're either moving towards, you know, your mm-hmm. values and your goals, your authentic yes. self, or you're moving and, away. There's only two choices. I heard that in a podcast recently. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, today I see how when I'm dealing with particular challenges that I tend to attract clients in a similar place. So I see this now as an opportunity for me to further grow in this area and work my edges there. So I, I, you know, I learned so much from my clients and they challenged me to step up into my best version of, you know, of myself. So I absolutely do not have it all figured out. Oh, how funny. Um, you know, back to your own work family balance, um, you know, you're really jumping in with two feet into your practice now. Um, you know, how did you kind of make that decision? I'm, I'm sure, you know, practicality of, you know, your kids are getting older and at school and everything, you know, how are you navigating the reality of, of the time your family requires of you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been back in the game, Maggie, so to speak, for like, I, I would say the past two years. I did complete two coaching certifications during this time, and I slowly been adding in hours as my kids grow. And I needed to do this for myself. I really want to be of service. Mm-hmm. You know, I have so many strategies and tools to offer, and I get really energized when I'm working one on one with clients. 
So, um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to be back in and been doing this, but um, it's not always easy balancing my time. Sure. You know, often I have to let go of my expectations around work because one of my kids is homesick from school. Right. Yeah. And, you know, this in the past, this would hold me back. You know, I would feel really fearful that I couldn't control these things and, you know, would be worried about disappointing a client if I had to cancel or things like that. But I've gotten really better at this now. You know, I know I'm resourceful and and I just take right. it one day at a time. And, you know, instead of worrying whether my kids will be home and interrupt my work hours, I just deal with the punches as they come. You know, I ask for help. That's now. so scary, though. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, but if I focus on that, it brings up that fear and it blocks me. If right. I focus on just doing it one day at a time and asking for help, because I know now I'm not meant to do it alone. And I mm. ask for help. And you know what? It might be times where I can't get the help that I need. And that's, and I, and then I deal with that in the moment, but there are times where like, you know, I, I, I we've recently moved closer to family. So I do have a lot more help than I have. And I know not everyone has that. And I know right. what that was like before, but you know, now I can say, you know, and at first when we moved here, I would be like, oh, I don't want to bother my father, mm-hmm. you know, and ask him to help. But then I realized how much joy he got out of helping me. And so now yeah. I ask for it when I can. And if he can, that's awesome. If he can't, I figure out another thing. And sometimes sure. I have to cancel things. And, and that's one thing I like about working with moms because they get it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but yeah, like you were saying before, like we, you know, we should our, you know, we say these shoulds, like we come up with those, like I should be doing this or, but you know, we, I learned to work through those and work through those limiting beliefs so that I can keep on moving forward, you know, and towards what it is that I desire, desire. Right. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, you know, just for a last big question I have for you, you know, what do you say to moms that are feeling like they're on the hamster wheel? You know, whether or not they're working moms, stay at home moms, you know, it doesn't matter. You can have that feeling, you know, they, they feel unfulfilled. Maybe they feel like on paper, they have it all, you know, they're the super mom, but in their hearts, they feel more struggle than they'd like to admit. You know, what do you, what, what do you say to them? You know, Mikey, I, I think support is so important. So I would tell them you're not alone. You know, we we go through life feeling alone in this feeling and afraid to acknowledge or admit that our life is not perfect. And this brings me back to your tribe. You know, when you can connect with a group of women that support and empower and inspire you, you realize you're not alone. Mm. And, And, you know, and the other thing is not, not to do it alone in no way, you know, like I've said, you know, a few times today, you know, you're not meant to do this alone. You know, when we become moms, we tap into our masculine energy. You know, we try, you know, we've got to get things done, linear thinking, we're all in our heads, focused on giving and we need to balance, you know, find that balance in our lives, you know, balance out Mm -hmm. our feminine energy as well, which requires us to be more spacious, you know, open to receiving, feeling, you know, being in our heart, feeling, being in the flow. And just as a side note, you know, an off balance complementary of the masculine and feminine is a relation, you know, in a relationship can contribute to marital problems. So, Mm. so being open to receiving what we need or desire, which may mean getting help actually helps us to create that balance. And, you know, as a bonus, again, as a side, you can improve your marriage in the process as well. Right. 
Oh, I love that. I mean, it just seems like the root of all of this is is feeling connected, having yes. connection with other people, with, you know, with your mom tribe, um, you know, with being able to seek help, um, you know, and whatever, whatever help might be, you know, mm-hmm. it, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Maggie. This was fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, I have, um, and you've given me so much to think about. I mean, I was taking notes the whole time you were talking. It's like, ooh, <laughs> um, learned a lot of different things. Um, so I have a few questions that I'm asking all of my guests at the end of the interview. Um, so I'm just kind of curious what your what your answers are here. Yeah. So what is your favorite author uh, or favorite book? Oh man, I, I don't have one. <laughs> I am a, a book buying addict. <laughs> oh, how funny! You know, I would say that you know most of my books will fall under like personal development or spiritual genres, but uh, you know I have I read so many books at one time. Like I just love you know I get interested in something and I just, so I love so many different books. So I wouldn't say I have any particular one favorite one. Okay, yeah. You know, it's funny because I just finished reading um, Brene Brown's Rising Strong, oh, and um, and I read two of her other books in the last six months, probably. And so much of what you have said have been in line. So I was kind of half expecting you to say Brene Brown. Oh, um, I do, you know, because just, yeah, yeah, I just listened to, um, and sometimes I listen to one, but um, yeah, I've I've read her books as well. Um, the gifts of imperfection was one yes. of the recent ones. So yes, that is, I have so many favorite ones. I don't know how to choose one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite quote? Well, I love to say we are all perfectly imperfect and I say it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it just, it means so much. Like there's layers to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Do you have a guilty pleasure? Mm, I really love. Sounds like manicures. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, but I love to get them. Um, I'd like to look at them. Uh, I love to spend time looking at homes for sale. I have this. <laughs> oh, wow. How I, funny. I'd love to go on, especially because we had moved a year ago. So I got onto all right. these, you know, um, you know, real estate listing sites. And I just, I don't know. I just love to look at houses and I used to always love watching those home improvement shows. I don't watch a lot of TV these days, but yeah, I just love, you know, looking at homes and seeing them and seeing what they can turn into. That is definitely something I enjoy. I feel like once you go through that process, especially it's one thing to buy home, but it's, it's, it's a whole, at least in my experience, it's a totally different animal when you're buying and selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I look at all of that. Like I always was kind of interested in, in, um, watching home shows, home improvement yeah. shows, whatever. But after going through that process, it's like, I have a whole new perspective <laughs> and I'm, yeah, yeah. It, it, it is, uh, it, it kind of interests me too. Yeah. Uh, this is my favorite question. Besides your family, what puts the fizz in your soda? <laughs> I think I kind of mentioned this before, but I really do get off on being that person that people look to for help and advice, you know, mm. whether it's about life, relationship, goals, health. I love being that go-to person. And this is why I get so energized from my sessions with clients. Yeah, I saw, and I think it was on your website or maybe it was on the Facebook page. Um, you said something about... Um, 
you know, really having a, like a fire, a fire lit within you. I think, you know, when I think it was in your bio, um, when you were deciding to jump back into work, Mm -hmm. you know, after being at home, you know, I love that. Um, what keeps you balanced and calm? You know, I, I really try to balance out my days and weeks with active and calm time as well as, you know, regular exercise. I, I, I exercise is very important for me to, you know, just get into mm-hmm. a good place. But when I talk about balancing out days with calm and active time, like I'll look at my week and look, say, well, you know what, my kids, let's take my kids, for example, they're busy. They go to school. My little ones, my twins go to school three days a week. So the other mm-hmm. days, two days during the week, um, I keep very calm with just free time for them to play. We don't go out a lot. Sure. I don't stress us with getting in and out of the car. You know, sometimes that's a problem because I might push errands off. You know, I have a Amazon right. return box that's been sitting by my door for two uh-huh. months. But you know what? They're not, that's not a priority for me. So, you know, one day it will be. Right. So I really try to balance out it as a, you know, throughout the week, but I'll also look at it within the day. If we're having a lot of busy time during the day, I make sure I balance it out with some calm time. Oh, I love that. Uh, What do you think the world needs more of? I'm going to say balance, you know, although everything, you know, eventually does come into balance on its own, whether we like it or not, we can actively build Mm. in healthy means to creating balance, you know, really take responsibility for our part and lead the way for others. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's funny that you say that too. Everything will eventually become balanced, whether we like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Why not be a driver in that, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Gosh, well, thank you so much. Like I said, you gave me so many things to think about. And I think, um, you know, my my blog readers and and listeners, you know, are really going to appreciate this. And, you know, we are all perfectly imperfect. Thank you so much. You know, (laughs) absolutely. Now, um, if, um, you know, if the listeners want to find you, where can they find you? I, I am on Facebook at Carrie Sands, coach and therapist. I'm also on Instagram and my handle is at Carrie, C-A-R-I-C Sands, S-A-N-S. And then my website, CarrieSands.com, and they can actually grab a copy of my list of a dozen ways to manage overwhelm and create more ease, plus two other free gifts that I have to support relationships. So they can grab a copy on there. Um, They just need to, you know, sign up and and they'll receive that through email. So, Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you so Thank you. much. I really appreciate this. All right. I re- yeah. All right. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to re- re- re-listening to this podcast myself. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to hear it again. All right. 